Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Pure Football Podcast, the podcast that brings you the stories, the people, stats and rumours about football in Scotland and beyond, by fans, for fans. And as ever on the Pure Football Podcast, I'm joined by my co-host Owen. Owen, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you Gavin, how are you? Yeah, really good. Um, so we've had a the regular season's all finished and we've gone straight into some uh, international football for both men and women. Um, how did How was that? transition for you how did you feel about the the jump to international football it's, it's fine I'm coping I'm coping uh I mean there's hardly been a break which is strange but uh yeah it's, it's gone fine you you enjoying it yeah m- much the same I guess we're about to hit that barren spell of nothingness so yeah make the most of it whilst we have it um but we do um for the next couple of weeks have the women's world cup which is in France uh and Scotland played their inaugural game against England um and uh, Scotland were unfortunately beaten in that game, 2-1 by England. Um, Owen, what was your your thoughts on Shelley Kerr's girls in that game? What what was your sort of takeaways? Um, my, my takeaways was it was it was really entertaining, first of all. I was really excited to watch this game. I've quite enjoyed the Women's World Cup since it started. And um, obviously it was a big deal for Scotland to be playing at a World Cup and an even bigger deal that our kind of opening game was against England. I felt quite nervous going into the match I mean England were third at the World Cup in 2015 um, obviously you know have had a better record uh, than us recently so I felt a bit nervous um, I think in terms of the match itself well we, we started okay in my view there was some good moments from Scotland kind of pressing on the right hand side uh, I felt like we kind of forced a little bit of uncertainty um, amongst England by doing that and um, Cuthbert was looking like a kind of willing runner um, however there, there were kind of some danger signs from not long after the start I felt particularly on England's right hand side with Bronze the, yep. the full back and Nikita Paris the right sided um, attacking player uh, also didn't think as, as well as kind of left back maybe having a bit of an issue with that the midfield didn't maybe kind of screen things that well, so I was getting a little bit worried. Uh, and then, of course, uh, there was the the penalty. What what did you think of the handball? What's your take on that? I I don't like this rule. Okay. I feel I feel like it's uh, so the rule changes of basically now, if the ball hits your hand at any point, it's pretty much a penalty. Anything that's deemed an unnatural position, I'm not sure how you can define an unnatural position anymore because. If you're running towards a ball, how do you run? Do you run with your hands behind your back? Is, is it going to cause defenders to, um, you know, then be put off balance and turned easily or shifted easily because they're scared of giving away a penalty? I just think it's a bit... We're trying to make something that's always going to be subjective, not subjective. Um, and the subjectivity of it is, you know, one of the, the things that we all probably love and hate about football at the same time is that subjectivity. Um, it gives people like me and you things to talk about. <laughs> so um, if we didn't have that, then you know. So I I don't disagree with you generally. Uh, I I kind of you know about the fact that the, the issue for me I guess that one is maybe um, just around VAR and you know the fact that we're kind of turning to 
that deciding things for us. In terms of this, this was a handball, I think. Really? And I think it's the sort of handball that the lines person should spot or the referee should spot. I mean, her arm was way out. So, for me, um, as unfortunate as it was, um, I didn't really have any arguments for that as a as a, um, as a penalty. Kind of following that, um, I think that there was a lot of good shot stopping by Alexander, uh, the goalkeeper. Yeah, she had a good game. Re- really kind of good shot stopping from her. Um, I felt... Regrettably, the second goal though was a bit of a, a mess, and obviously it was unfortunate to concede again shortly before half time. Uh, we we kind of didn't get away at all, and then England were pretty clinical. Um, I thought that for the uh, the goal that we got back um, towards the end from uh, Claire Emsley, that was pretty good goal, really good drive from Evans, and then Emsley did really well to get the goal in. Um, but yeah, overall, I kind of thought that we started pretty brightly, but didn't really deserve to get anything other than a kind of narrow loss. I've got some further kind of detail in, you know, in terms of a few kind of stats and a few kind of tactical points. Yep. The first thing I would say, though, um, and this is a key uh, tactical point, is why weren't we wearing the pink kit? I'm absolutely sick, and I know I keep going on about this, but every time we're forced to wear our all-blue kit, um, in, when there's some sort of minor colour clash um, that prevents us from wearing the blue top, the white shorts, and the red socks, um, it seems that any time you know, an opposition team is playing with maybe white shorts, because of that, we then go to the full blue kit, and I'm not a big fan, yeah. I guess, as we touched on before, of, of that. And I just think that away kit is so good yep. that if we're having to change from our home kit at all, I, I would just go to that. I know that's a, a very trivial point, but these things matter to me. That's fair, that's fair. Pure Fit by the most uh, aesthetically challenging podcast. Absolutely. We need strips and hair to be on point. Definitely. Yeah, there was a couple a couple other just quick things I wanted to see what your sort of take was on, on this game before we move on. Of course. Um, so I thought the two fullbacks really struggled in this game. Um, both... Uh, Nicola Doherty and Sophie Howard, um, I thought, really really struggled. I thought they were both... Doherty in particular, I know Nikita Paris looks like a real player, um, but Doherty just seemed to be at sixes and sevens, and I thought when she came off, Scotland actually played a bit better when they brought Kirsty Smith on. Um, I don't know if you felt that in the second half when that change was made. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I think that's partly personnel, partly um, slight kind of formation and... Uh, stylistic change in the second half. I felt then that Scotland went to a bit more of a four-five-one. They dropped their intensity a wee bit, but they maybe allowed the fullbacks to get a little bit further forward, which helped somewhat. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't disagree that um, fullback was a kind of problem area for us, which is is unfortunate, particularly given that's where one of England's strengths was. Yeah, any other areas that you thought were problematic? Yeah, I, I thought I thought Caroline Weir really struggled in this game. I thought her, her distribution was really poor. She was playing the sort of uh, six role, um, and I just felt like the game passed her by completely. Um, there's There was a couple of moments where she was a spectator. She was just watching. I think that was partly maybe to do with England's quality on the flanks and then being able to switch the play a wee bit. It did mean I felt as though they were able to kind of pull our central midfield kind of screeners out of position quite well um, but yeah I agree that we had some problems retaining possession um, I mean early on the, the plan seemed to be to kind of head it into the channels for Cuthbert to kind of chase and, and that had some moments of success but that was clearly knackering for yeah. him it wasn't going to be a strategy that could be yeah. sustained throughout the match and then after that we didn't really have a way to keep hold of the ball 
which was uh, a shame. Um, yeah, a, a difficulty. Um, I think it will be interesting to see if we can have a way of changing that somewhat against um, Japan, who we play on Friday, um, you know, the 14th, to, to see if there's some way that we can maybe keep hold of the ball a little bit more and, and try and, you know, work some chances of our own a wee bit better. I also felt that um, although um, Emsley did really well to get our goal, I felt that, and she wasn't helped by the fact that there was a lack of support from the fullback coming up, maybe either un- underlapping or overlapping her. But I felt that we, sh- when she did get into advanced wide positions, she didn't really have either the pace or the kind of trickery to get past her player, and that that was a wee bit of a problem in terms of us kind of progressing the ball towards goal. So, yeah, but overall a wee bit uh, upset, probably a, a fair result. Despite the kind of penalty that you're, you know, you, you feel wasn't uh, a penalty. Yeah. So the one positive I want to end on in this game with for Scotland was I felt that Cuthbert looks like a real live wire. Yeah. She looks really energetic. Looks really, you know, the England uh, defenders are, you know, really experienced players. They they look tormented by her running. Um, they they looked really uncomfortable when she was chasing them down. It was just a shame that her pressing wasn't really followed up by the rest of the team that she was sort of pressing on her own. At times, I felt. Yeah, uh, it was a pity early on, the first kind of 15 minutes or so, there were, you know, kind of group of players hunting in a kind of pack on the right hand side, including her, um, which was really impressive. But you're right, after that, I think once England kind of uh, found the rhythm and got the ball circulating a bit more and, and uh, you know, pulled us from side to side, it was probably difficult for people to, you know, press with her. But regardless, yeah, really impressed by her. I thought her runs were really good. She has clearly really good technique to be able to hold up the ball quite well. Um, she's got a decent shot on her, as we saw, um, you know, against uh, Jamaica, and, and she had a kind of shot that went narrowly past um, against England. So yeah, look forward to seeing her um, hopefully on the ball a wee bit more and getting some opportunities to maybe get a, a World Cup goal um, on Friday. Yeah, that'd be yeah, great. Yeah, cool. So we'll we'll look forward to seeing how the Scotland women do over the the next few games and hopefully they can make it through to the next stages um, and that takes us on to the, the men's national team uh, Scotland played two games over the last four days where uh, to start with we'll go over the, the sort of Cyprus game to start with so Scotland beat Cyprus 2-1 with goals from Andy Robertson Ollie Burke and Cus Lewis for Cyprus um, what was your thoughts on this game on Steve Clark's first game in charge yeah um, so again it was the all blue kit at home, uh, when uh, really, I mean, the opposition should be doing whatever they can to change for us. <laughs> so that's, that's my kind of first uh, take on this. Um, so yeah, this was uh, a strange one, I think. Um, I kind of, so we set up in a kind of 4-3-3, uh, I guess, um, and it, it felt to me a little bit like we were maybe more passive out of possession than I would want us to be. Now, I guess we'd kind of touched on this before um, a few podcasts ago about how might Steve Clark transition to setting up against um, a team at home who he'd be expected to beat. Um, and, you know, there's obviously teams that Comarnock would expect to beat, but they might play in a certain kind of style even against those teams. And I was a wee bit concerned throughout about the kind of lack of pressure on the ball and the kind of lack of aggression and kind of you know taking things to Cyprus I guess there's two kind of points on that one is that in some way we might have been preparing for Belgium uh, and and the other is that maybe Clark's plan was to kind of 
you know, try and bring Cyprus forward and then maybe force some, in effect, counter-attacks um, so that, you know, Fraser and Forrest and um, Brophy could take advantage of that. But that, that was the kind of first thing that was a wee bit troubling for me, both because it meant that I didn't think we were kind of making enough chances um, of our own out of open play. And also, we um, there were a couple of moments where Cyprus were able to kind of pass through centrally um, and that was a bit concerning and, and it particularly foreshadowed uh, what Vincent Company was able to do to us for Belgium. So th- that was a wee bit concerning. However, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll go through the game a wee bit more in detail. Um, the positive thing is that, of course, we got our result, which is uh, good. You know, that that was great to eventually get a win in this game. Yeah, I think you, you touched on there. One of my, my major concerns about this game was um, the lack of creativity and... I felt that we played Cyprus as though Cyprus were of a similar level to us or better. Um, I didn't. I didn't feel, and maybe it was trying to, you know, get the players in a certain shape for the Belgium game, or I'm not too sure. But I just felt like we were we weren't very good at pressing um, in this game again. I felt like the first half in particular, Brophy was doing. It was almost like a headless chicken just running about. Um, he, the, the pressing traps just didn't seem to be going the, the, the communication seemed a little bit off with the players um, I mean there could be things like fatigue in this as well obviously uh, I think Cal McGregor that was his 69th game of the season which is just ludicrous so yeah it's just I, and I think that midfield actually we spoke about this um, on WhatsApp but it was a, a lot of similarities between the three of them I think um, and maybe not enough of a definition of what their expectations are yeah, I think that was a slight issue for me that McLean, McGinn and McGregor, um, it, it, it did seem a little bit uh, undefined as to what each of their roles was. Um, and, and as a result, the, the midfield didn't really do um, a great deal for me. That that maybe seems a wee bit unfair. I know people did kind of say that McLean had a good game um, and I was maybe a wee bit critical pre-game about you know, maybe not being fully aware about what he would bring to the table, so so maybe I had a wee bit of kind of pre you know prejudgment bit of bias there, but I just felt that yeah there there wasn't a great deal um, in terms of understanding exactly what the role um, of each of the individual midfielders were. I would really have liked it if uh, I think there were lots of opportunities where Callum McGregor could have maybe kind of dropped into the kind of deeper left sided midfield zone to get on the ball to allow Andy Robertson to bomb forward and that could maybe have opened up some avenues for us. Um, in addition to that, some other kind of issues for me were that the distribution from the centre-backs and the goalkeeper was pretty bad yeah. and it went long at times. It went long too often and when it did go long, it was inaccurate. Um, I felt that there were times when Andy Robertson did come forward and he cut inside diagonally um, into their midfield, and he did that really, really well. It's really dangerous weapon, but then the rest of the players didn't really know what to do, what options to offer him in that kind of scenario. So that's something that could be a weapon for us against teams like these. Um, but I think we need to work on the next step yep. once Robertson makes that move in. It could be really good, but we need to have some ideas about what you do next. I felt that Ryan Fraser didn't go to the byline uh, too often. He was cutting back uh, onto his right foot and because Cyprus were pretty deep by that point was, and we didn't have a great presence in the box because you know Brophy's not maybe built for that kind of scenario 
and the other midfielders um, are not kind of you know getting into the box to get on the end of a cross of that nature. So I'd really have liked it if he'd found some ways to go at his man and try and get round the outside. Uh, so that would be another kind of issue for me, and, and I think there was a lack of um, quick passing, at least until McTominay came on, he kind of quickened the passing a wee bit, um, made things a bit more um, positive. So those were some issues for me, really. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, and I, again, I, this is where it's hard, you get this sort of, um, you know, a lot of people are, have been, I feel like, maybe too defensive about the the critiques of the Scotland team uh, under Steve Clark. Yeah, so I, th- I think you can absolutely say, look, it's great, and we got the three points, but... I'm absolutely not of the opinion that um, all that matters is three points. That's, I mean, I don't think that's a position that MD that even says that really believes. I mean, everything's about thinking about what you know will happen next and and what these things are for and you know, um, you know, past performance and and that's kind of what that might tell you about future performance and things of that sort. So, sure, we won, but that doesn't mean that you can't kind of. Uh, throw up some concerns about things you know and I'm, I'm I'm really pleased obviously still to have Steve Clark as the manager I'm yep. absolutely delighted about that and I have full trust in him um, but yeah and, and I appreciate he only had you know a week or whatever with the players less with some of them that you know came late and things um, and there are loads of positives for me like yep. you know, there's been no call-offs um, which is really good and the mood in the squad seems to be good and people seem to be you know quite confident and, and so on and there's a good spirit there but you know you can still level some criticisms I think yep uh, so just to talk about some of the goals in the game uh, mm. Andy Robertson's goal how how was that for you uh, it was incredible I mean you know Champions League winger our captain uh, absolute wonder goal incredible strike um, it was quite interesting to me that that in effect came off a kind of moment of transition so we kind of attempted an attack on the right um, and it was a poor ball into the box and Cyprus tried to kind of break and then we won ball back instantly and turned it over and so they were a little bit out of um, position which didn't happen that often in the game because maybe we, we didn't manage to kind of facilitate enough kind of um, pressing moments or moments of turnover so that was good to see that you know that that kind of happened and what we can do when that happens but yeah the the strike was just incredible what a hit great <laughs> yeah um, unbelievable going and I think it really does cap off the the season that he's had mm. so to move on to the the Cyprus equalizer I had a bit of a back and forth with a number of people on this okay so this came from a corner I, I felt that um the ball was so. If you watch that goal back, the ball was sort of floated into the box. For me, any any time you get those sort of balls in the box, I would absolutely want my goalkeeper to be coming for those. Um, if they're within a certain sort of zone, and I feel like that would have been within David Marshall's gift to um, come and collect that ball, or at least put pressure on that ball. Um, there was other things that happened. Uh, Andy Robertson obviously lost his man. The defence did seem a bit. Um, there was three players. Um, in a sort of line together, so the guy um, for Cyprus, Kosoulis, he, he had all the time in the world just to sort of position the ball into the into the corner, but for me, I just think with these sort of um, crosses in, I w- one thing I would be saying to my goalkeeper is, if this is within a sort of 10-yard space, I'm expecting you to come and put pressure on that, and, and I don't know if I'm maybe too critical of David Marshall, because I, I didn't particularly like the call-up, and I feel like maybe Scott Bain might have been a bit more aggressive in that for that one particular. It might not have changed the outcome. But yeah, what was your thoughts on that one? 
Uh, well, I mean, we, we've no idea whether Bane would have done anything different, but uh, yeah, I have three people to blame for this call, including Marshall. Uh, so I agree with you entirely that in that sort of situation, I would be pretty much... Uh, expecting my goalkeeper to come out for that. Um, however, um, he might have found it a little bit difficult to come through McKenna. I think he needs to get to the ball at that point before it gets to the goal scorer, Kusulis, Um because really, I think McKenna could have won this. I think he gets into a wee bit of a weird position, uh, body shape-wise, and then he kind of loses a little bit of a physical battle with a guy that he's marking. But I think the ball's there to be won at that point. And when it comes over, before it gets to um, the guy who actually scores, McKenna's marking somebody else. Uh, and then finally, yeah, Andy Robertson, I mean, I think he misjudges things because he can't really see things because of McKenna and the guy he's marking. And he maybe thinks McKenna's going to go for it. Um, but I think Robertson still has to be closer to his man and putting him off physically uh, and then maybe getting a touch on the ball. So, yeah, um, not a good goal at all. Very disappointed with that. And, um, yeah, I would say all three of those people are to blame. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so, to move on to the dramatic winner, but from Ollie Burke, it came from a, a breakaway down the left and a pretty good cross-in from Ryan Fraser. Um, Ollie Burke, who came on for Brophy, and I feel like he offered a bit more overall, actually, um, when he came on up, up top. Um, I think during the season, neither of us were too impressed with his performance as the sort of focal point for Celtic. Um, but in this game, I feel like he had an impact, his pace, his power, and he, you know, the leap that he made for the for the header to hit the post was, it was incredible. It was, you know, great um, athleticism from him. And then the reaction to me to then... Uh, tap at home after so um, yeah I thought that was a pretty good goal from Ollie Burke what was your sort of thoughts? Yeah it was a great goal uh, wonderful ball in from Fraser um, you can see the. I mean again it was one where he turned back onto his right foot um, but see the benefit of having somebody in the box who can actually do something with a cross Burke found some nice space between two centre backs and as you touched on it was a great header very unfortunate for that not to go in um, on its own and then he did well to get there quickly and get the uh, rebound in I felt with what you were saying about the difference between him playing as a centre forward for Scotland this game versus playing for Celtic as a centre forward well they're very different roles for Celtic, I mean, you're dominating possession. You're looking maybe for your centre forward to be able to link play, to come deep into, you know, not deep, deep, but, you know, move a little bit away from the centre back so you can find a pocket of space, um, you know, things of that nature to be ready for cutback, stuff like that. Whereas with Scotland, particularly in a game where we weren't maybe wanting to have, uh, I mean, we had 54% of the possession, Cyprus had 46%, so it was almost even. Um, we made 512 passes and they made 466. So it was, you know, pretty even in terms of possession. So there were times when we could play balls, you know, longer balls, maybe for him to kind of chase into the channels and stuff. And then, as we saw, get, you know, crosses into the box when they were sat very deep. So that, yeah, maybe is something that's more of a strength for him and, and, um, yeah, I, I I hadn't really, I think, seen much of him in terms of um, his heading ability for some reason. Um, and it, that was a good header. Yeah. I don't know if that was an absolute fluke, yeah, was... but I'd keen, keen to be see, seeing him in that kind of uh, scenario again. Yeah, I think it. the one thing that's undoubted about Oli Burke is his athleticism. Um, and that's maybe something that playing in that position we would ask them to do. Maybe, maybe not as much in terms of linking up play or... You know, just being the focal point might actually 
help him find his best position because I feel like that's still something he's trying to do. Um, so yeah, uh, that that win uh, gave us a little bit of momentum going into the game against world number one uh, ranked team Belgium. Um, first of all, Owen, can I get a a reaction to the lineup from you when that came out? Yeah, I, I was a little bit surprised. Um, I think uh, again, it's quite similar to when the squad was announced that we were both maybe a wee bit kind of. Uh, I don't know what the word would be, underwhelmed or a wee bit surprised, um, but still kind of of the mind, well, you know, in Steve Clark we trust. And I think that once we saw it in action, at least for the first 20 minutes, it, it kind of made a bit more sense and, and seemed to be working okay. What, what did you think? Um, I was terrified when that lineup came up. Well, so, I mean, if, if people don't know, we, we kind of uh, sort of set up in a four-four-two in effect, but with Stuart Armstrong and Oliver Burke up front, uh, Callum McGregor as left midfield, Johnny Russell as right midfield, and uh, McTominay and McLean as the central def- midfielders. What what was terrifying you specifically? What what were your concerns? Andy Roberts and James Forrest and Ryan Fraser are three best players, and none of those started against the world number one. Sure. So I, I guess um, well, Robertson has a hamstring injury. Yeah, sure. So I I understand that. But when when the lineup came out, I don't think. Uh, that had been announced so it was a bit of a shock um, particularly after his wonder goal on, on Saturday and stuff and I'd also I'd had a sneaky feeling that he might not play on Saturday against Cyprus and he might be saved for the Belgium game uh, because obviously he's had an incredibly lengthy intense season but hey it was the other way around and uh, let's hope he's not out uh, for too long as a kind of knock on from playing against uh, Cyprus um, but uh, and yeah I don't know what the deal was with Fraser and Forrest Maybe that's a fitness issue. I mean, you mentioned the number of games that Cal McGregor has played. Forrest is hot on his heels um, in terms of number of games played this season. I mean, so it, it could be something along that that kind of line that you know Clark just didn't think they they had the match fitness to do a full ninety. Yeah, it could be, but I guess from when that came out, I was just like, oh my god, we've got Greg, we've got Greg Taylor and Stephen O'Donnell against Eden Hazard, who's just gonna run riot at those um, so on to the game um, The so I think we've done pretty well like you said for the first 20 minutes our, our shape looked pretty good um, we seem to be frustrating Belgium pretty pretty well for the, and then it's sort of just Belgium were really patient and I think they it seemed to be that they had a, an expectation that they would have to be patient um, and they were just passing it side to side to side to side probing and probing and probing um, and there was a couple of chances uh, that they had. Marshall made a few good saves, um, but then it, as the as it was going on, it did just feel like a matter of time. Um, we we did have you know one really nice chance in the in the first twenty minutes for Ollie Burke um, when it, we had that breakaway, and uh, he sort of just dragged his shot wide. But um, yeah, it just felt like it was just going to be a matter of time before for for Belgium. Um, broke the deadlock and they did and it was really disappointing for me this goal um, we switched off We it looked like we so Scott McTominay sort of put a tackle in the ball looked like it was going to go out for a corner and you literally seen like every Scotland player stop and put their hand out claiming for the, the goal kicker of the corner and Eden Hazard kept the ball in and then chipped it in to uh, Romelu Lukaku who got the better of Scott McKenna to head home what was your sort of thoughts on that goal one? Uh, well, well, similar to you uh, in terms of the goal, that um, it was unfortunate that we switched off. Uh, McTominay did 
it was particularly disappointing, I think, because up until that point, McTominay had been playing pretty well, I thought. had been having a good game. Um, but really, he was key in terms of the goal, uh, kind of switching off, thinking it was going to go out. And you, you can't do that against anybody. You certainly can't do that against Eden Hazard. Um, so that was unfortunate. But, uh, you know, it, it's particularly painful if you can see the goal right before half time. But for me, um, I think we're incredibly, incredibly lucky not to have conceded up until that point anyway. Um, so, I mean, you're right. We started pretty well, I think, the first 25 minutes or so. We looked confident. We looked like they had a plan. We, we did have a clear structure in terms of the formation and the setup and stuff. We were quite aggressive. Um, we looked pretty happy to pass it, even when we were in trouble, um, which I liked. Um, the players looked, you know, happy to do that. Uh, McTominay and McLean were covering ground quite well and putting in some good passes. But still, um, there were loads of issues. So Belgium were playing a 3-4-2-1 in effect with really high wing-backs. And Eden Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne is in, in, in kind of free rolls off of Lukaku. And that was causing a lot of problems for us. Um, particularly on our right side where I felt that Johnny Russell and Stephen O'Donnell really couldn't cope very well with uh, when Thorgan Hazard and Eden Hazard and even Kevin De Bruyne kind of combined out there. It was It was very, very tough for them. Um, I think there were instances where um, Eden Hazard came inside to kind of number 10 spot attacking midfield just behind our midfield, which was quite flat. And um, at times, Vincent Company was able to pass it 30 odd yards um, directly between the, the midfield to you know Hazard, and, and that was problematic. There were lots of chances for Lukaku. Yeah. I mean, there were things where we just barely got away with it, you know, ones where. McKenna blocked a shot, uh, one where Lukaku managed to clear it himself oh my God. Um, for us. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there were there were quite a lot. There were more chances, you know, watching it back than maybe it felt at the time because I think we were feeling quite positive and that, you know we could maybe ride it out. But really, um, yeah, we were pretty pretty lucky. I think told out to almost half time I think something that really hurt us as well is when Stuart Armstrong had to unfortunately go off with injury um, I think that he and Burke um, you touched on the chance that we had which came from the two of them kind of linking up uh, Armstrong managed to tease uh, Vincent Company to kind of uh, dive out of position which he sometimes has a tendency to do and put Burke through but even out with the chance creation they were both just doing quite well at times in terms of being able to link up and retain the ball but also you know maybe cover um some passing lanes and things but once Ryan Fraser came on uh, and moved to the right hand side and Russell moved to center forward I, I don't think that we dealt as well um both in terms of defensively from the front and also in terms of being able to move the ball up uh, the field and keep the ball so um yeah as much as the goal was a disappointment it was sort of inevitable yep. i felt and there were so many chances before yep. it. so then uh start of the second half the you know the warning signs were there belgium it looked like much of the same um they had a couple of chances just before they actually scored again and this goal actually really disappointed me again the second goal uh, from lukaku um for a couple of reasons um i felt that um the you know the defensive four of uh taylor um McKenna, McGrew and O'Donnell and you know what I'm I'm totally comfortable with the caveat of who we were up against right? I, I really am um, and these are far superior players but I felt like they, they 
didn't that didn't really work for me. Uh, McKenna and Mulgrew to start with, I felt like they didn't they didn't really communicate that well for me, and I felt that they didn't know who was picking up Lukaku, who wasn't picking up Lukaku, and there was a number of times. In fact, actually, I think just before the goal itself, Lukaku got a free header where neither McKenna or um, Mulgrew picked him up, which Lukaku should have scored. So the warning signs were there for me. To back to the goal, yeah, that again, he, he's in the box, he's got a couple of yards on. Um, or McKenna, I think it was, but also I was disappointed that so the shot that came in, um, David Marshall parries it back into the into the six yard box, which I feel like you know you want to, your goalkeeper to push that out to the side. I think that was an issue for Marshall throughout, and I, you know with all due respect to him, he did make a lot of saves, um, and I you know I've I've seen he's got a lot. Of He's had a lot of praise for his performance in the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. My take on it was that that was not the only shot that he didn't save in the way I would want my goalkeeper to save them. He was quite um, spilly, I guess would be the word. Um, yeah, he, he didn't really um, when he did have when he did have the opportunity to catch and hold things. I don't think he did. And when he did parry things when it was the right thing to do, he didn't do it with the confidence and direction and the power that I would want. So yeah, I, I think that was a problem throughout for him. Um, I, I still have some doubts over I don't quite understand why Marshall has been given the number one jersey um, I think that Bain has had a really really good uh, half of a season uh, yeah two, two errors in recent games um, but he didn't make any mistakes in my view in the Scotland games that he played in um, and I had a wee look at um, Marshall a wee bit this season uh, with some stats bomb data and he did give up approximately three goals with their data that they wouldn't expect him to uh, going by their kind of expected you know uh, shot kind of model and and I felt in the games um, that yeah there, well there was the corner issue the goal in the first thing I feel like he's not got much of a well he's not got as much of a physical presence as I would think he should I'm a wee bit I'm not sure if I believe what he's got as his height on his Wikipedia um, <laughs> not trying to out people for their dating profile uh, kind of details here but um, something doesn't add up there and yeah the, the kind of parrying and stuff I'm, I'm not convinced on um, I think it's he's probably got the position for the next couple of games at least now um, but um, I'm, I would be I'm, I'm not sure if I understand why entirely I agree, and I think over the two games, because I was also critical of of Marshall in the Cyprus game, and I think you said about it as well, his distribution was pretty poor, um, and I've seen people saying we don't need that from a goalkeeper, and to me that's really naive. We absolutely and utterly do. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was tough for him in terms of distribution against Belgium, because there maybe weren't as many options, you know, we were quite deep at times, um, so he didn't have, um, you know, the, the people to hit that he wanted to maybe. But sure, the accuracy wasn't there at times too. You know, there was some bad, bad hits out. Um, to go back to the the goal, if that's okay for a moment. Um, yeah. This this was so. This was the one I think um, where again I, I kind of mentioned that company was able to pass through centrally. So that this I think was a moment where Hazard came in from the left behind our midfield and you know got onto the ball from a company you know kind of thirty yard pass. So I was that was disappointing for me initially. Um, because there was a lack of pressure on the ball, company was able to just stroll up and um, you know play that pass. It's obviously very very difficult to know what to do when Hazard comes in centrally, and 
occupies that space behind your midfield, but there needs to be some sort of plan because you know he's going to do it. Um, so you know that needs to be worked on. There needs to be some sort of communication about how how that's dealt with. Um, and then uh, yeah, I think that in my view, Mulgrew didn't go out to him quick enough. Um, there were a couple of occasions when that happened when um, Hazard came centrally and then got the ball and then linked up with De Bruyne. There was a lack of um, either decisiveness or the physical capability from the centre backs to get out and um, you know pose a problem uh, quick enough. Um, and then yeah, De Bruyne was probably offside, but for me it's more about kind of thinking about the things that we can control and and stop for next time. So it's about thinking about what to do about Hazard and then being there before Lukaku um, when there's the rebound and you know making sure that if you are saving something, you save it in a way that's going to prevent a goal. Yep, totally agree. Um, it was just a disappointing goal overall to lose, and then the game was killed off with Kevin De Bruyne scoring the, the final goal. I thought he was absolutely outstanding in this game. Um, for me, he was probably the best player in the park, um, and it was a really nice finish um, for Kevin De Bruyne. Belgian, I don't, I, I don't know if I feel like we maybe could have closed them down a bit better. Or it was a bit, it was a nice move, but. Maybe you know we could have had someone a bit closer to him, but I'm not sure if at this point the game was already dead. And you know, I'm not going to be too critical in that that situation. Was there anything you want to add to that goal? I don't think we did um, too badly in getting out to him. I mean, we we're pretty close to him. It was a really good strike. Um, would you have expected Marshall to dive at least? I mean, yeah, it that's tough for him to see it. Um, there are a lot of bodies in the way, I think, but. Um, I, I don't know, the view from behind the goal, I was like, hmm, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it was it was a lovely strike, it's low, it's very quick, but, um, you know, maybe he could have got out there. It's, uh, yeah, actually, I just watched it back now. I don't think he's saving that, even if he dives. Yeah, yeah it's right in the corner. <laughs> yeah, um, fine, sorry, sorry, Marshall. It was, yeah, I'm being a wee bit harsh there. Um, so, yeah, that was, it was a good um, goal, great strike by De Bruyne. I agree, he played really well. I think by that point we were just kind of knackered and it was kind of, it seemed a wee bit inevitable that, that there was going to be a third goal. Um, I think particularly kind of on the flanks and stuff, McGregor was knackered then and they were getting round in and getting crosses in and stuff. And um, So, yeah, it was a wee bit of a, a write-off by that point for me. Yeah, whilst we're speaking about David Marshall, we're being hypercritical of him. Um, sure. Do you think that he done anything that any of the other keepers that we have couldn't have done? Uh, no. And that's my sort of takeaway as well. I don't like. I know that if you look at the the stats in a, a simplistic term of you know saves, but I think most of the saves that he made were saves that you would really expect your keeper to make. There's none over the two games where I think. There was one where he absolutely Hollywooded it against uh, Cyprus. Was that the tip over the bar? Yeah. So the funny thing about that one for me is um, that cho- that chance came from um, Marshall rolled out to McGinn. And McGinn tried to do a silly uh, bit of skill to take it past kind of two players in the midfield. It really reminded me of the goal we lost against Belgium when McGinn uh, kind of messed up in the box from uh, rollout. So that was just a wee kind of funny um, aside. But yeah, so you thought that was a kind of Hollywood save. I disagree. I think uh, well, maybe that comes back to my point about is he as tall as I as he's saying he is? Because um, <laughs> do you think he could have caught that? Or I'm not, not, I'm not not thinking he could have caught it, but I just I felt like it. It's one of those ones where I think he knows the cameras are on him. That sort of that analogy. Um, 
Right, okay. You think people are doing that against Cyprus? Like, I, I, think, I, think, I think you'll see goalkeepers do it in any game. Um, okay, right. Got to stick up for the former goalkeepers union here and say I've, I, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, in, in, in general, I think uh, I, I still am a wee bit unsure about why Marshall was in the squad at all and why he suddenly become the number one. I think we pointed to the fact, well, we pointed to the fact that we think that maybe uh, Bain hasn't done anything not to merit still being a number one. I think we also pointed to the fact that, you know, what does this say to maybe Liam Kelly? Um, you know, people who are fourth in the pecking order now and, and, you know, he's kind of been told, well, you know, in some way is this about experience, but how does he gain experience? What more can he really do to show Clark that he should maybe be, you know, number two or number three in the squad? Um, I'm I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I I don't know. I think the other thing is that um, if you're maybe suggesting that this Clark might maybe in your view look to move on from Marshall, I think given that the next games are Russia and Belgium at home, so major matches, uh, ones that will be serious. I don't think there's any way that you kind of move on from what you've decided to do in that. Yeah, no, there's a bit of time, so maybe in, you know something may happen, you know, injury form, whatever. But you know, I think it's Marshall's position still for now. Yep, agree. Um, so any overall thoughts on Scotland? Are you happy with them? We covered. Um, I just want to make it clear that I feel like I've said quite a lot of negative things there. Maybe that's just my nature in general, and, and you know how I kind of analyse uh, football and things because I'm always wanting us maybe to improve. But I feel pretty happy. Um, I trust Clark. Um, I think it was a good lesson for me maybe to see him select a team that I thought was a wee bit strange and then to kind of, well, see, okay, well, there is a plan. You know, this is why we're doing it. I still think that we suffered a bit because of the personnel um, that we had to use within that plan to an extent. You know, maybe Johnny Russell at right midfield and um, things like that. And, you know, up front, I think we still really, really need... Um, a centre forward that you can rely on for goals and, and also some ways that we can create chances for that goal scorer but in general um, looks like you know there's a plan there's ideas of structure um, there's a kind of um, at least from the outside looking in it looks like there's a kind of happy uh, collective that want to be there um, I think it's hope, one thing I would really, really like to come from this um, is you know you, you kind of touched on it to me earlier talking about the number of Killy players, if we can get some sort of club feeling, if we can get to a position where we have to use fewer players, um, something that really st- stood out to me was uh, at the start of watching this game, they called out the commentator called out how many caps the Belgian eleven had compared to how many caps the Scotland eleven had, and it was a staggering difference. I know obviously Belgian players collect more caps by going further in tournaments and getting to World Cups and things, but still it was an incredible difference, and I think that's partly because we often don't keep the same players around or aren't able to call them up. People are, you know, calling off and dropping out and stuff. It would be brilliant to get to a point where we have a group of players who all get, you know, kind of 50 caps together or whatever. I think that really helps for an international team and it's something Scotland struggle with. The number of caps that our players have um, in, like, the current squad is so low um, generally. So, you know, let, let's keep that unity. Let's um, kind of get behind Clark. And I, I do feel... Uh, Positive in general. This is going to be a very tough qualification group, but in terms of the, you know, the playoffs and and things to come, I feel happy. How about you? Yeah, much the same. Yeah, I think what the points you made there are pretty much spot on. We we maybe have been quite critical on a number of things on this, but 
I think there was something you said earlier think uh, around about things being within our control um, and I think a lot of the mistakes that happened in these games were within our control um, and you know could it had we gone into half time now now with Belgium does it potentially change the game do they get more frustrated as it goes on maybe um, I don't know but yeah I, overall I, I trust Steve Clark and I think that we've got the right appointment we just need to hopefully uh, continue to see some progression and um, and who knows what we can do in these, these next few games so yeah um, back to uh, some domestic news that happened just today um, so Motherwell have posted on social media that they have accepted a bid for David Turnbull by Celtic um, they've stated that it um, destroys their previous record which was also to Celtic for Phil O'Donnell um, the rumours that it's around about the £3 million pounds mark. Well, what's your thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, well, um, I'm, I'm a wee bit surprised that it's been sort of announced in this way where, in effect, the deal's not been done, but Motherwell are just making it public that they've accepted an offer from Celtic. Um, uh, call me cynical, but my initial kind of gut thought was, hmm, are they trying to maybe smoke out some more offers from other people? Um, you know, is there going to be an offer? Will Brendan Rodgers steal in at the last minute <laughs> and um, <laughs> see if he can uh, gazump Celtic? Um, maybe Motherwell would hope that that would happen and they would be able to get some sort of option to have Turnbull back on loan for a season. Um, so yeah, we wee bit cynical about the fact that that's been announced. Um, an interesting development. Um, so, you know, Celtic Potentially, I guess you could say, learning from the lesson of what happened with John McGinn um, last season, where you know they, they missed out on him to Aston Villa after kind of protracted negotiations and maybe kind of lowball and hibs in terms of the fee. Um, they have eminent Champions League qualifiers, so also kind of, I guess you would say, if you're a Celtic fan, good to see them getting some business done early if that's what's happening. Um, and yeah, it could be an incredible move for Turnbull. I mean, you know, he's only 19, turns 20 next month, has a contract to the summer 2021, has had, you know, a sensational season. I think it's 15 league goals in 30 games, six assists. Um, we kind of both thought maybe he should be in the current Scotland squad based on his, his form and his quality. And, um, yeah, it'd be an interesting move if he can go on to Celtic and perhaps become a kind of... Uh, leading player for them for the next few seasons. What what, what do you think about? Um, what were your kind of initial thoughts on it? So one, I'm delighted for Motherwell if they're able to get that size of fee. Um, I think that's really really good for them that they they're able to do that. And if they're if they're playing a game of you know to try and smoke out more offers from then fair play to them. What what figure would you try and hold out for? Or what would you try and get if you were them? I, I do think that three million is a pretty reasonable fee for them to be honest. Um, if you can get to the four mark, I think would be great. You load load it up with some sort of percentages and bonuses and sell on sure. fee things and maybe all that kind of jazz. I I you know I'm gonna say that actually you know the three million is probably what I would be comfortable paying for him. I feel like that's a fair fair valuation on his talent. But the one thing I'm not too sure about is how does he fit into the Celtic squad. Um, I know he's young. So that's that's on his side, um, and there's not going to be pressure for him to start every game. Um, but a three million pound investment for Celtic, I think that's it's not sizable in terms of their overall finances. But for for a player to be a squad player, I think that's quite a lot. But I'm just not too sure 
where his minutes come from. With if Ryan Christie comes back and has you know the season and the goes back into the form that he had uh, before he got injured. So does that does that concern you from Turnbull's point of view then? Yeah, that's what that's what I mean. So I'm not sure that's the best move for him. Yeah, um, sure. The age profile between him and Ryan Christie's there's not a huge difference. Um, Christie's to me is that he's clearly going to be the number one in that sort of. 10 space um, so yeah just I'm not sure Turnbull is going to be a great fit for Celtic and Celtic uh, sorry Celtic isn't a great fit for Turnbull as well um, you also have you also have the Tom Rogic um, who also plays in a similar similar space so yeah I'm just I'm just a bit concerned with the um, the focus on that position well, it'll be. I mean, I guess it'll be interesting to see what Lennon plans to do in terms of formation and who he um, views as being this kind of starting eleven and stuff. But you, you, I guess you, you are right. So there's a um, fairly congested midfield. So you'd have uh, Rogic, Christie, Oliver Cham, Cal McGregor, Scott Brown, Ibui Kowasi, Ewan Henderson, Nir Beaton, and potentially David Turnbull. So that's that is quite a lot of people. Um, if let's say they're going to generally play like a Four two three one or a four three three type of thing. Um, what I mean, what do you think the sort of hierarchy then is? So you saying that kind of Christie always it would be starter and and probably Rogic as well, and and then you've got McGregor as well, who you assume has to start. And I don't know. Do you think that Lennon probably will start Brown in most games next season as well? Still, yeah, I, th- I think I really do think it's going to be difficult for Celtic to keep all these players happy. Um, You've also got uh, Abu Kuasi who will be coming back from injury and at some point you need to either decide whether he's going to be a key player for you or not, whether he's going to be Brown's successor. So Mother- Motherwell need to get him on loan? I don't know, if they could, if Motherwell could pull that off that would be amazing but um, probably more likely to get someone like Ewan Henderson on loan to be fair but um, he's also been someone that I feel I've been quite impressed with when he's played. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but it might be time for him. I mean, regardless of Turnbull coming in, and uh, we're spending a, a fair whack of time here in Celtic in their situation. But just briefly, it might have been time anyway for Henderson to go for a season on loan somewhere. You might think. Yeah. Regardless, yeah. But I, I, yeah, I see what you're saying. It's getting quite congested. I mean, I guess there's been rumours out there that maybe Cham might be on his way out. So you know, there's thoughts that maybe Marseille are going to be bidding for him. So I know that your point at this you know, your point might be that they're not comparable players entirely, but there are actually some similarities. So on Twitter there's a really good account um for some visualization of stats um by a guy called Ram Srinivas. The uh, Twitter handle is at R R A M E S S S um, he will kind of respond to requests that MD has for data viz so hit him up if there's anything that you want to see from uh, Scottish football or somewhere else um, really nice guy but he posted a comparison between David Turnbull and Oliver and Cham um, go and have a look for it um, it, it shows up um, pretty favourably for Turnbull against other players in the league generally so he's a kind of above the 80th percentile for his position for things like successful dribbles through balls Expected assists, shots, uh, non penalty. Excuse me, non penalty expected goals. So these are all kind of some things that also Nacham shows up really well on. Um, Nacham is similar, but even higher uh, in those kind of things. The the kind of thing that Nacham probably exceeds 
Turnbull at the moment on in those kind of stats is kind of progressive passing stats. But you might expect Turnbull to improve in those areas once he's playing for somebody like Celtic where there's more opportunities to, you know, do those kind of things. Um, so I don't think they're going to be all that different. Um, you know, there'll be some similarities in what they can bring to the table, I think. But, I mean, you're probably right. Maybe the most direct comparison might be with Ryan Christie. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting. I, 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 I guess... They think that they've got so many games coming up next season that you know maybe uh, he'll he'll get enough minutes to be satisfied and maybe somebody leaves and then maybe another person leaves next summer and then he becomes potentially a starter. Then I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, we'll see. The things I really like about Turnbull, just to kind of give that briefly, is his on-field personality. I think it clearly looks like he really, really wants to make things happen when he plays, which I love to see. He's got a lot of character in that way. Um, he finds space really well. He's aggressive. And he's a really good, clean striker of the ball. Um, so I, I think, you know, stylistically, in terms of what he could bring to Celtic, it would be quite... Uh, it could be quite a good fit, but also a wee bit different. And I think that it could work quite well. It might work quite well for Lennon as well. He might fit character-wise and kind of drive-wise for Lennon. So be interesting. Um, what what about the impact in Motherwell? And appreciate it's a big fee, but do you think that there's going to be a problem in terms of their squads and stuff like that? Oh, it's going to be it's going to be horrific to try and replace him and replace the outputs that he's given. Like you said, his even just his drive alone, um, that's that's not really quantifiable. I guess the the the, the sort of mindset of the player, um, but. Yeah, it's going to be a big summer for them. I just hope they don't. I hope they're wise with their money. I hope they don't do anything silly or, um, you know, buy a whole bunch of random people from League Two or or anything like that. Um, keep keep it but, keep it League Two, not League Two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, they've exactly. they've also. I mean, they've lost uh, Goran. Um, they've lost Jake Hasty. They won't have Aribi. I think his loan is finished. Chris Cadden has been offered a new contract, but I'm not sure if he's going to take it or not, so he might be away. Uh, they've lost Kurt's main, whether you'd say that's a real loss or not. Um, <laughs> so that's a lot of... Uh, it's a big turnover, isn't squad, it? And it's a lot of turnover in one kind of area. You know, that's two of your three midfield starters gone. Poor Alan Campbell, he's going to be all on, lost on his own. Um, but yeah, like like you say, um, I guess then it all comes down to what do they do, how do they use that money, um, which will be really interesting to see. Um, I have faith that they might do some good things, but that will be a, a difficult task. So that wraps up uh, another episode of the Pure Football Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please share, tell your friends, uh, leave us a review on iTunes because it really helps the podcast grow. Um we will be back next week and we'll be looking at the the rankings of the top six. Uh, previously, we, we ranked the bottom six and graded them in a A to F. Um, so the next episode we'll be looking at. We'll also be looking at some of the transfers that happened in the Scottish window um, in the last few weeks as well. So thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, goodbye.